Hello and welcome to PW KidsCast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Trenton Lee Stewart, author of the best-selling Mysterious Benedict Society series. This fall, Stewart returns with a new novel, The Secret Keepers. It's being published in September by Little Brown, which is sponsoring this podcast. In The Secret Keepers, Stuart introduces a boy named Reuben, who lives with his widowed mother in the city of New Umbra, which has seen better days. With his mother busy working to keep up the rent, Reuben spends his days exploring, while also trying to avoid the directions, the henchman of a mysterious figure known as the Smoke, who controls everything in New Umbra. After Reuben happens to discover an unusual antique watch during one of his excursions, it sets him down a dangerous path when it turns out that others are eager to possess the watch as well, including the smoke. Uh, Trenton, thanks for speaking with me. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. You know, so the final Mysterious Benedict Society book, The Extraordinary Education of Nicholas Benedict, which was a prequel, that came out, I think, about four years ago now. Um, have you been working on The Secret Keepers ever since, or did you sort of take a little hiatus after wrapping up those books? I have actually been working on it uh, even uh, since even before that book. I started The Secret Keepers before I started The Extraordinary Education of Nicholas Benedict. But then when the idea for that book occurred to me, I got really compelled by that. And so I set this book aside and started working on it. And when I finished it, it did take me a little while to get back to this book, but uh, I did. And I've been working on it laboriously off and on (laughs) ever since. Okay. And, uh, you know, what were some of the, I guess, original seeds or starting points for this story? Well, I never stopped daydreaming, which I'm sure is the case for a lot of writers and people in general. But one of the things that I hit upon one day long ago, years ago, was about a kid who found something that made him special in some way. And I never knew for a long time what that thing would be. Um, I just, I thought that it needed to be something really interesting, something that once he discovered it and started using it would um, ultimately reveal something about himself. I thought it would be important. Why did it make him special? And why did that matter to him as a person, as a character in a book? So eventually, once I hit upon the thing, it felt right for a lot of different reasons. And so that's really when the book got going in earnest. I also knew that there was this sort of the twin pull to that was I I felt like I wanted a kid to to have to figure something out, some kind of clue, some riddle-like clue, as I'd done in my other books, that would take him to a family that had been keeping secrets, some very important secret for generations, and that he would observe these people in the family and eventually approach them. And I thought it made sense that the person he would approach, the person would feel most approachable to him, would also be a kid. And that the two of them would share this moment where she has been expecting somebody to arrive at some point in some generation of her family. Somebody was going to arrive and they all knew it. Um, but she ha- they have this shared moment of wonder when they realize that the person that's arriving is, a- is also a kid and that it's her that he reveals himself to. So they, they feel like they inhabit this really important moment in their family history. But those were the two things that um, I felt like I really wanted in the book. And then the rest of it, I had to figure out. Well, you know, from reading it, you know, speaking back to that sort of twin pulls idea, I do feel like you, you sometimes get a bit of a, a push and pull between certain ideas. Um, surveillance and invisibility is one, um, maybe a sense of security and just the, the sheer danger that uh, Ruben finds himself in. Uh, were those things on your mind at all as well? Or maybe some other themes and ideas you were sort of mulling over? You certainly have hit upon it. Those are absolutely things that were much on my mind. I mean, the, there's a family of lighthouse keepers in the book, and 
I came up with the notion of a lighthouse as being an important element in the book because I was originally I was just trying to think of some sort of riddle-like clue, and uh, I had a lot of different things in mind, and none of them seemed to work well until I hit upon the notion of light to mean several different things. But once I thought about a lighthouse, it seemed perfect for that reason thematically. What you mentioned that lighthouses um, they call up notions of safety, security, and help in in darkness, but um, they wouldn't exist if there weren't a present danger. So certainly that kind of tension between security, home, and threat was a big part of the book for me. Um, but also, yeah, secrecy, because secrets are thrilling to kids. Um, and it's thrilling to a lot of people to think about having a very important secret. But also having a secret can be isolating. And um, so the book is a lot about isolation and connection and what good can come from doing things in secret and what good comes from bringing those things to light. So those are those are all things on my mind for sure. And you know, speaking of the idea of sort of security or, or peril or danger, it, I feel like that also bleeds in a bit to um, some of the relationships in Ruben's life, um, not least of which the one with his mother. You know, it's a very sweet relationship in a lot of ways. It feels very mutually protective and jokey and warm. But the the knowledge of just how hard uh, they have it at the moment and how hard his mother is working to just keep them afloat always feels very uh, close and present to the surface. Do you think right. that, that plays in similarly, I guess, to that sort of tension, I guess? It does, yeah. I think – Certainly, I think that there's, um, you know, Ruben loves his mother and he wants, he wants in some ways their lives to be better just for her sake because she's the one bearing the burden of trying to keep them afloat, keep the rent paid and uh, keep food on the table and so on. And at the same time, because their relationship is so good and he cares about her so much, she cares about him so much, if he is going to wander around the neighborhood of the lower downs and take the sorts of risks he ends up taking, uh, then he has to deceive her. So there is a tension there between the sort of the safety of a good relationship and then the risk of damaging the relationship in some way by by keeping secrets from someone you love. Well, I wondered if maybe you could also talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, the city of New Umbra itself and how it took shape for you. Um, it's a city that you describe early on as, you know, definitely uh, having seen better days. And uh, there's obviously this sort of corrupt role that the smoke and his minions are playing. And I don't know, part of it makes me think a little bit of these sort of towns that, you know, maybe industry once thrived, but now the infrastructure is breaking down, which is something you don't have to look too far around to find sometimes in our own country. Um, True. Could you talk about, I guess, the setting a, bit, a little bit? Yeah. Um, I knew that I had a feeling that I wanted it to be an urban setting. Um, part of it was because he finds what he finds by climbing things. And so I, I liked the idea of having him in abandoned alleys and back streets, climbing to pass the time, um, sort of imagining himself into a big adventure when he's, he's not really having a big adventure, but it's a very personal adventure to be climbing fire escapes and tilted light poles and then through broken windows and abandoned warehouses. So that, that sort of thing felt like a, a great but lonely kind of uh, life of exploration for him. So I knew I wanted I, that kind of setting for him. And then it made sense the more the story took shape with a, some sort of villain who's in charge, a kind of shadowy villain who's in charge of the city, to have the city not not working well. That if, in fact, there's a person who is running everything but is a shadowy figure and has these oddball and menacing people working for him, then he's operating outside of the usual systems that keep a city running reasonably well. So I think all of that developed into the notion of having a city that was – big and had a lot going on and it was important. So it, what happened there might have repercussions uh, all over the place, but it needed to, it needed to be broken in some very specific ways, ways that Ruben 
in the end, might be able to um, start a process of fixing. Is it right you were working uh, again with Megan Tingley as your editor for this book? That's right. Yep. Very good. And, you know, I think you also worked with her on, on your previous series. Uh, was the process of this book coming together any way notably different uh, from the mysterious Benedict Society books, given that, you know, this was a new world you were sort of exploring as opposed to one you'd spent several books in? Right. Um, yeah, we we have been working together since the very beginning. And I think that there were some differences that needed to be taken into account when I was working on the book and when we discussed it. But I, I think the process in a lot of ways was similar. We it really um, what it amounted to was a lot of conversation about the differences uh in the books but i think the way that we worked together on the book just sort of developed on its own um and it was generally like what had happened in the past where she would point out certain things that she thought were the book at its strongest and she saw lots of different possibilities for ways it could be stronger and she's always been good about laying those things out there and seeing if one of them lights a fire for me and usually you know that is the case usually then i have to work really hard to tend the fire and that's difficult but yeah i I don't know in terms of a standalone versus uh the series we did just have we had a lot of conversations about who are these characters and how are they distinct from the characters that came in in previous books and but it was very much on my mind from the beginning and was on hers too so we didn't um I think, and mostly we just nodded together a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, speaking of uh, collaborators you've worked with, uh, this book also features artwork from the same illustrator from the previous books. That's right, Diana Sudica, who has, um, she's done everything since the the second mysterious but an exciting book. Um, Carson Ellis did the first, but Diana, yeah, I think she's been doing tremendous work um, for several all these books now, and I have yet to see all of her final illustrations for this book. I've seen most of them. Um, I think she's once again doing pretty. Terrific stuff. Like she has very atmospheric. She evokes the atmosphere in the book really well. I think. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't know if this is an odd question, but you know, compared to when the, the the mysterious Benedict Society, when the first book came out, I think almost ten years ago now, um, there's been such a huge uh, sea change in sort of social media and the online presence of a lot of authors. But I get the sense that you keep a, a fairly low profile online. Uh, I assume that's by design. Yeah, it is, and I have been thinking over the idea of perhaps making a, uh, more of an appearance in the social media world uh, this in the near future, but I'm not certain about it. Yeah, in the past, I've mostly kept quiet for a few different reasons, but one of, I think one of the bigger ones is um, I anticipated at least the possibility of being approached um, online by kids who wanted to talk about my books, and um, it's, it's always been hard for me to – I didn't know how I would keep up with it. I'm just slow, and um, I didn't know if I could do that, and it's really hard for me to think of a kid reaching out in some way and not responding. Mm-hmm. So that's why I made it a little harder to get to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do have a – I got a, I have a post office box, and so I always feel like if if a reader um, really wants to be in touch with me enough to find that address and write a physical letter and send it through the United States Postal Service, then uh, they'll get a response from me, and it's, it's so far it's been something I can manage. Um, mm-hmm. But some people have suggested that now that, as you say, there's been such a sea change, a lot of kids don't necessarily expect responses. Mm-hmm. If, for instance, if you have an Instagram account and you mm-hmm. post something, they don't they comment, they don't necessarily expect something. But it's it still feels to me it, it's like a it feels like an unanswered question. It's it's a lack of resolution. It makes me a little anxious. So I, I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it. Mm-hmm. I might try it though. Well, there is a hashtag for this book, I believe. So you know, <laughs> you've got a starting point if you need it. <laughs> Excellent. 
So, you know, have you been hearing then, or, or do you find that new readers are constantly coming of age and let's say finding their way to your, your previous books, for instance, uh, as you know, they've been out now for a while? They have, and it continues to surprise me Be- because, I, yeah, I have, I have kids saying some of the same things to me that kids were saying to me almost 10 years ago, as you pointed out. And that feels strange that it continues to be new to people. Mm-hmm. Um, the time has passed for me. I've gotten a lot older, <laughs> but, but there are still these 10 year olds and 11 year olds who have just read one of my books for the first time and felt like they wanted to say something to me about it. So obviously it's the, it's about the most charming thing you could hope for. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, along those lines, I, I, I think your, your own kids were fairly young when your previous books came out. Um, I'm curious, you know, how has their relationship to your writing changed now that they're older? Oh, that's a great question. The, um, so my older son, Elliot, to whom the first book is dedicated, uh, he was he was very familiar with the characters in the Mysterious Benedict Society and, and knew the story really well I, because he, he was very young, but I told him all about it. He was interested in it, and he loved the fact that his name was in the book. Um, a couple of years later, before the second book came out, I showed Fletcher, my younger son, the um, – the, the second book had showed him that it, it was dedicated to him and it made him cry. <laughs> we didn't know why. He was just young enough that we, we weren't sure why it upset him. Um, so I told him, oh, no, no, it's, it's dedicated to someone else. I, I don't know what I had. I didn't mean that. So Elliot's known all the stories of the books, but um, interestingly, he's been, he's been drawn to read other people, other writers more. And Fletcher grew up into a reader of mine. So he's, he's read all of my books now, um, is currently rereading Secret Keepers, actually. But they're both really supportive. They, um, they, it is interesting, though, to see how they circle around or dive in to their dad's work. I got really lucky with both of them in that I did have the opportunity to read a draft of one of my books to each at a, at a time that I needed to reread a draft of a book. So in Elliot's case, it was The Extraordinary Education. And I needed a new book to read with him. And he was 11, I think. And um, I also needed to reread that book before I started a new draft. So I was able to do that with him. And then I did the same thing with Fletcher with the Secret Keepers. So it was really helpful for me, but it was also really fun to have my kids be the first readers, uh, or the first ones to experience those particular books. And was writing for children something you had sort of always sort of directed yourself toward? I think you'd gone to Iowa, right, back in for studying? Yeah, that's true. Uh, and no, I, I hadn't. I, I really thought that I was going to be um, writing for adults. That had been my plan for years. Um, so yeah, after I got out of the writer's workshop, I was continuing to work on literary fiction and short stories and um, eventually a novel that eventually got published, um, Flood Summer. And I thought that that's what I was going to continue to do. But I do think that having Elliot was what caused a shift, or it was one of the many factors that kind of caused a shift. Um, I was telling him stories every day. He was only two still. He, he demanded a story every day. So I, I definitely think I slipped into a mode of, of telling stories to kids. And, um, and those daydreams that I had tended to be, they tended to continue to be childish, non-productive kind of daydreams. And so I kind of put those things together at some point. I realized that a lot of the things that were occurring to me, like a chess, a chess riddle and a test that had some sort of secret to it that all seemed to be to, to belong in the kind of book that I really loved when I was 11 years old. And eventually they, those ideas kind of gained a critical mass. And so I thought I'd write one book that Elliot could enjoy when he got older. <laughs> and that was my plan when I set out to write The Mysterious Benedict Society. And uh, now I'm several books in. So I think I saw that you're going out on tour maybe later this year when the book comes out. You know, over the past years, has a uh getting out and seeing, talking to kids at schools and bookstores? Has that been sort of one of the, the low-tech ways of keeping in touch with your audience that you've been uh, 
keeping up with, or is that not something you, you do quite as much? Uh, I definitely do on the tours. I visit a lot of when, – whenever the new book comes out, I go around to visit lots of schools and, um, and do bookstore events and a lot of children's bookstore events and library events. And it is definitely uh, – it it's a low-tech, nice way to connect with them um, because, of course, the whole time you're writing the book, you want to be writing something that's gonna, that a kid's going to love. But that doesn't – it still doesn't prepare you for the look on a child's face when they, they love the book <laughs> and they want to talk to you about it. It's, um, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, I love that opportunity to, to connect with them that way. That and the, and the old-fashioned postal service, that's been it so far. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I always, always feel guilty asking uh, writers what they're working on next when the book we're talking about is not even going to be on shelves for a while yet. But you did say that you had the idea for this book you know, while you were still – deep and mysterious Benedict land. So are there other ideas or things you're, you're contemplating or perhaps, you know, already well into working on? Uh, I do have, I have one novel in mind uh, that I have tons of notes for. I pretty much know the story and kind of interestingly, I think it, it's sort of paralleled the development of this idea for the secret keepers and that I was wanting the protagonist, the heroes of the story to, in this case, in Ruben's case, he finds something that makes him special, and um, and why does that matter to him? But it's something that augments something that he already does well, which is to hide and to observe unseen. And that was interesting to me in terms of what kind of character he was and what his life was like. So I have an idea for another character who, instead of finding something, she finds her way into a place where she's special by virtue of her differences with the people in this place. So yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to actually getting cracking on that book but as i said right now it's just a lot of a lot of notes sure that sounds good well you know thank you again for uh taking time to speak with me and uh, congratulations on this book thanks so much it's been a pleasure once again i've been speaking with trenton lee stewart whose novel the secret keepers is out in september from little brown thank you for listening to pw kids cast 